to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. We just lift up this time to you. And God, we pray that you would be lifted up in this house. God, we pray that you would bless us today. God, we ask, God, a special blessing of your anointing to rest upon us, God. As we hear your word today, God, we pray that we would respond to that in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. I'm so excited about this series. You may say, well, Pastor Philip, you're always excited. That's why. This is why. Because God's word is exciting. Because it's life changing. It doesn't want to leave me the same way, but it wants to do something. There's results that come as a result of God's word. And that's why I'm excited about this series. And I want to begin today by reminding you of this thought, this statement, and that is this. God does not do greater things exclusively through great people. He does them through anyone who is willing to trust him in greater ways. And I want that to get inside of you because many times we can look and say, well, I don't think God would even want to use me. All God needs is a willingness inside of you, a willingness to trust him. You maybe don't still understand it all. None of us do. But it's saying, God, there's a willingness in my life to trust you more. And that's what we want to see happen here. We want to see people that will be willing to trust God with more of their lives. And the scripture that we've been using for this subject and for the theme of this month is John 3.30. Hasten the greater 3.30. And John the Baptist says these words before he dies, before he lays down his life almost. He allows his life to be taken. He says he must increase, speaking about God but I must decrease. The thought or the idea is this, in order for him to be great, I must become less. So there has to be less of me, so there is more of him. I like what the Message Bible says too. It says this is the assigned moment for him to move into the center while I slip off into the sidelines. And I think that is such a great picture there. Why? Because when God is in his rightful place, guess what? I'll be in my right place. But there's another side to the coin, isn't there? That if I'm in the wrong place, that that place is God in the wrong place. And this series is all about us finding that right place again in God. Finding that place where God will do so great things through our lives. But unfortunately, the tendency we have through a message like we're going to hear today, messages that we hear in this church is 
that we hear them, but yet we choose to remain the same. We choose to remain the same. Why? Because we love the inspiration aspect. We love to be inspired. We love to come and feel the Spirit of God and be challenged. And wow, it's great. But how many knows you don't live in here? you got to step out into the world. you got to hit the streets. Come on, and where the rubber hits the road, it can be a different thing. And we have got so caught up as Christians, I think, riding on the inspiration that we forgot to implement the participation part. That we've got to put it into action. The things that we hear. If we want to see the Word of God change us, we've got to put it into action in our lives. We've got to begin to live it. We've got to begin to trust it. We've got to begin to believe it. You see, really, what you get when you stay in here is an invitation. But you have to make the choice to go. You and I have to make the choice to go. And if God has called us to greater things, and that's not a question, but rather a statement. If God has called us because he has, we've got to understand that he wants to work in us and through us. So why are we not experiencing that greater? Why are we not seeing that greatness in our lives? I believe one of the reasons is this, because we come from the wrong starting point. We come from the wrong place. Many of us pick the wrong place to begin pursuing the greatness that God has for us. I'm going to give you a message today, and the title of this message is An Act of Arson. An Act of Arson. Why would you say that? Because it's the starting place for your life to go greater and further in God. A lot of times we would look and say, okay, if I'm going to be greater or see greater in my life, then it's all about my future is our thought, isn't it? That I want to build for my future. I want to do things in my future. I want to make sure my future. But you know what? That's not the right starting point. That's not where we need to be looking to in our future. But here's the starting point, and that is this. We've got to burn out our past. It's not ahead of us. It's behind us. What do you mean, Pastor Philip, it's behind us? I'm going to explain that. Because I believe we've got to burn our past. You know, when we're talking about the past, it's the things that we bring with us in our lives. On emails, oftentimes they have what's called an attachment. Can you turn me down a little bit, please? That would be great. We have an attachment, that which is connected to our lives. Those things, unfortunately, that have become perhaps even our identity, that have become a part of us. Those things or something that we have convinced ourselves we can't live without. I'm talking today about the plows of our life. And you may say the plows of our life. Just hold that thought. We're going to hopefully make sense with that. And I want to show you through the life of Elisha today. I'm telling you right now, the greatness God has in our lives first starts with us letting go of the past. Dealing with the past. Breaking free from those strongholds. And I want us to look at the story of Elisha again today. The successor 
to Elijah. And I know I'm repeating myself, but I believe repetition is still the best form of learning. And this is very important stuff and stuff that you need to hear. But Elisha one day is out doing the same routine things. He's not, he has no warning in his life. When he wakes up that day, he doesn't have an email that says, get ready because sometime today, God is going to interrupt your life. He has no idea that this day is going to be any different pretty much to any other day that he's perhaps lived before. He didn't wake up that day saying, I'm a great person. He didn't wake up today saying, man, I'm super significant. He didn't wake up today saying, I'm the prime candidate today. Man, this is my moment. This is my day. He's just in a field plowing with 11 other guys and 24 oxen. And he's at the back of the pack where the view never changes. But God had set him up that day for greater things, to witness greater things in his life. Look what it says in 1 Kings 19.19. It says, so he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. And this is talking of Elijah, who was instructed by God, who was going to be his successor, who was going to take over from him. So Elijah departed from there and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was planning, plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was the 12th. Then Elijah passed by and he just does something so simple. He takes his cloak. He takes his mantle. They tell us it was probably something woven of wool or animal skin or perhaps a little bit of both. He takes his mantle and throws it over Elisha. Just throws it over him. But something takes place in that transference. Something takes place when that mantle hits him. All of a sudden, that mantle communicates something to Elisha that he has never experienced before. Can I tell you what Elisha felt when that mantle hit him? Of course, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I believe by his response, this is what must have been going on inside of him. As soon as that mantle hit him, there was a thought that hit him. It says, you weren't meant for this. You weren't meant to spend the rest of your life looking at oxen rears. Come on, do I hear an amen? Come on, following behind other people, God has something else for your life. Your life from this day forwards can be greater. That's what communicated or came to him as that cloak hits him. And how do I know all that? Because of what his reaction is. In verse 20 it says, And he left the oxen and he ran after Elisha. Elijah, stop reading there. We're going to come back into it in a minute. He doesn't stop. So when the mantle hits him, he doesn't stop and hesitate. He doesn't try to figure it all. You know, the problem with many of us is we try to figure it all out. We try to reason it all out. You will never decipher Christianity between your ears. 
You will never decipher it because it doesn't make sense in the mind. It's something that has to be accepted by faith and trusted in the heart. But it doesn't tell us that he delayed. It doesn't tell us that he tried to figure it out. The mantle hits him. He senses there's something more to life than what he's doing. And without almost thinking of what's next, he just begins to run. And he runs after Elijah. Let's read on. It says, and he left the oxen and he ran after Elijah. And he said to him, please let me kiss my father and mother. Then I will follow you. And Elijah said unto him, go back now. For what have I done to you? So Elisha returned back from him and he took the yoke of oxen. And he slaughtered them and he boiled their flesh using the oxen equipment. Listen to me. Another translation, New Living Translation says, and he used the wood from the plows to build a fire to cook or to roast their flesh. Elisha burnt the plows. And what did he do? He gave to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and he became his servant. He didn't become Elijah's master. He became his servant. If you want greater in your life, it comes through servanthood. I went to a funeral yesterday of a great man, Keith Hendry. He's ministered here at this church many times, a dear friend of mine passed away. And someone stood up and said these words about him, that he was the most humble person that they'd ever met, the most almost like Christ person that they had ever met. Someone recalled the story that in the South, they were raised to acknowledge people as sir and ma'am. And he said, every time I would see Keith Hendry, I would say to him, sir, to which he would add, Vant. Sir Vant, because he says, I don't want to be worshipped. I'm a servant of God. We've got to realize, because in our minds, greatness is like, wow, I'm this and that. And it begins with serving. Elisha didn't automatically, as soon as he ran after Elijah, take over and he wasn't in charge. King David, after he was anointed, went back to the sheep for a period of time before he became king. But what did Elisha do? Elisha served. Greater had begun in him, but greater had not been completed in him. Whole other message there, and I wished I had more time. But he served. He served. But I want you to see something today that I believe is a key point for this message, and that is this. Elijah does more than just running after Elisha. Elijah, sorry. He makes sure he has nothing to run back to. If you don't get anything else from this whole message today, this is really the message. He does more than just running after Elijah. He makes sure there's nothing to run back to. 
Some people have said, well, obviously he's having second thoughts because he's asking to kiss his mum and dad. He's asking to go back and say bye to his family and his friends and the people around him. No, he's not having second thoughts. He just realizes that his goodbye is forever. He just realizes that he is saying goodbye to them. Why? Because he is leaving them behind. What an incredible picture of the salvation experience that every one of us, I pray, have been a part of in our lives. The process that God wants. But unfortunately, I think still too many of us don't really understand salvation and what it really is. You see, salvation is kissing the world goodbye and the things of this world goodbye. What is it? It is severing ties with the world so you can connect with God. Salvation isn't the best of both worlds that I can still hold on to this while I can still have that. Come on, we've said this before. You can't live like hell and expect the blessings of heaven. You can't be strung between the two. The salvation experience is letting go, getting rid of the past and moving on into the future with God. And that's what Elisha does. Elisha takes that which is his livelihood, his source of income, that which paid the bills, kept the lights on. He takes that and he slaughters it and he kills it. For many of us, that's pretty drastic. It's cruelty to animals. But back in those days, they recognized a ceremonial sacrifice. And that was really what he did. It was a sacrifice of the fact that he had had an encounter, a moment with God. And it was going to be recorded that from this moment, something different was going to happen. And he allowed that to feed others around. But he didn't just stop there with the oxen. He commits an act of arson. He burns the tools of his old life. Why couldn't he have sold them? I mean, come on, Elisha. If you're going on a journey and you don't know where you're going, a little bit of money in your pocket would go a long way. You could have given them away to some people at least. But no, he doesn't. Because he says this. He's making a decisive break from his old life. That's the statement that he was making. The statement that he was making. He doesn't have his future all laid out and explained. Elijah doesn't come to him and says, oh, just before I drop this on you, here's the deal, okay? Here's the the salary. Here's the benefits that you're going to have. Here's the house you're going to have. Here's the car you're going to have. Oh, here's all the public speaking engagements that you're going to have. He doesn't have anything explained to him. He just knows the starting point. He just knows the starting point. And the starting point is this, that I have got to destroy every tie that I have with the past. In order for greater things, I've got to leave the past. You see, Elijah recognized something that I hope we all see today. Elisha recognized that Elijah wasn't really the one he was following. Elisha realized he was following God. You and I are not following a man. 
You and I are called to follow God. Can I remind you today that God has greater things in store for you? But in order to have the greater life, listen to this. In order to have the greater life that Elisha had, I truly believe you and I have to do what Elisha did. You got to burn your plows. I want to give you a definition of what your plow is. It's anything that will chain you to the originary, to your original, ordinary, old life. That which chains you to your past, old, ordinary life. For some of you, it could be that job that you know it's not where God has you. You know that's not what God has for your life. For some of you, it's settled in that you've told yourself this is as good as it's going to get. It could be the relationships that you're in that you know are not going to further your life, that they are not the right person that you need to be connected to. It could be habits, and it is habits and strongholds. It could be just living a baseline life. It could be having goals and dreams that are not God's, but rather your own. The plows of life are anything that will keep you from the greatness that God has called your life to. You and I cannot step into a new life until we first set fire to whatever is tethering us to our old life. To go forward, we must give God everything that we have. You know what that means? Number one, you got to surrender. you got to surrender your life. Wow, we struggle a little bit with that word surrender, don't we? We don't like what it represents to us. We don't like what it speaks to us because surrender speaks of me losing control, me giving control over of my life. Well, I don't want to live a life that I'm not in control. What if God wants me to do this? What if God wants me to do that? I'm telling you, in order to move into greater things and in the greatness of God, that's what must happen in our life. Well, I like being in control of my life. Well, can we hear what you've accomplished in your life through your control? Come on, the things that we've accomplished through the control of our lives are not great things. They're not things we're proud of. In fact, the things that we've accomplished perhaps brought us to God because there was such a need in our lives that we recognized and realized something has to change or I'm not going to make it. You see, the ways of the life that we had will never bring us the rewards of the life that we can have in God. There's a freedom in surrender that's limitless. And let's be honest, we have a lot invested in the lives that we live. We have a lot invested in what we've built around us. And you may say today, well, Pastor Philip, surely there's no way I can just burn everything. Listen to me, that's not what we're saying today. That's not what we're even implying. But if we want God to be greater, I truly believe we've got to be prepared to do some awesome in our lives. I was just reading this week the story of Abraham. Waited years and years for his promised son, Isaac. And then God 
comes to him one day. God comes to Abraham and has a conversation with him and I'm sure says, so how's the boy doing? And Abraham's full of joy and thanks God, he is greater than I ever imagined. I'm so happy. And God says, I want you to set him on fire. Excuse me, God. God says, I want you to set your son on fire. God, did I get you wrong? Hold on a second. I mean, you said you wanted me to set my son up higher. No, I want you to set him on fire. Well, what do you mean, God? I want you to sacrifice and give him to me. I don't think any of us could even come close to knowing the surrender that Abraham brought his life to that day. That he saddled up his donkeys and he took his son with the wood and the fire and the sacrifice. Knowing that that sacrifice was his son. But yet, but yet, he was willing. You can read that story in Genesis chapter 22. It wasn't, listen to this, it wasn't till he was in the act of killing his son that God cried out to him and God spoke to him again. Listen to this. God will do the showing if you will do the going. God will show up. If you and I are prepared to burn the life of our past, to burn that which will tether us, that we will surrender our lives to his plan and that each day he will lead us. Here's the second thing. Are you ready? Faith, faith, faith. Faith is how we must all live. The only way to live a life pleasing to God is by faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Do you realize today the chair, the place, the building, the service that you are sitting in today was an act of faith? What do you mean by that? When we had only a handful of people about enough people to fill the cafe out there, we signed a lease. For three years on this building. That took faith. Because if people didn't show up, I was still responsible to fulfill the lease. I still had to make the payments. I still had to make good every agreement that I had signed on. Took a step of faith. But I knew God had called me. I knew that God had placed inside of my life. I knew that God had put a mantle upon me. I didn't have all the answers. I didn't understand it fully. But I knew I had to act. I knew I had to run. I knew I had to take a step of faith. I knew I had to burn the past in order to have the future. I signed a lease on this building with just a promise that God had given me. Well, you had a few people, yeah, a few people, like I said, that could have filled the cafe. It took a step of faith. There's a story in Matthew chapter 14. I love this story. Jesus appears to his disciples in a boat. They're in the middle of the water. It's in the middle of a storm. Jesus is not in the boat. He's walking out on the water to them. He walks out to them in the middle of the storm. You can read it in Matthew. And look what it says in Matthew 14, 28. And Peter answers and said unto him, because they cried out, they were afraid. And they said, God, is that you? And he said, it's me. And then Peter answers and says unto them, Lord, if it's really you, command me to come out unto the water. In other words, 
Peter says these words, God, I know it sounds crazy, but if you're not here in the boat, I don't want to be here without you. Can you see his faith? Can you see where he's at? You may say today, well, I don't have all of that. The Bible says to each one he is given a measure of faith. That doesn't mean a different measure, the same measure. Faith is available to every one of us. It's just how much faith we're choosing to use. Why? Because of the inspiration aspect. We've got to step into the participation part and put it to work in our lives. That's faith. How many knows it's faith to choose to get out of a boat? How many would say that's crazy faith? I mean, that's ridiculous. That's borderline. Well, that's not borderline. That is stupidity in the natural. Absolutely stupidity. But all he knows is this. Jesus says to him one word. Come. Come. He doesn't give him details. He doesn't tell him how you walk on water. Jesus just gives him one word. Listen to this. Jesus offers a command. And then he expects obedience. Do we have enough faith to act on what God is saying? Even if it's just one word. But God, I don't know how it's all going to work. But I'm telling you this. I realize today, God, it starts with me burning whatever plow I have. Wouldn't it be so much easier if Jesus would just spell it all out for us? Wouldn't it be so easy if Jesus said, okay, here's it, blah, 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 blah. But you know why he doesn't? Because he cannot go against our choice. He cannot force us to do anything. So if Jesus was to spell out our life, we still have to make the choice. Can I tell you right now that Jesus has your life prepared for you, even though you don't see it? But by faith, as you take that step, you'll step into it and you'll step into it. But you and I have got to choose to do that. No, it's not easy. But the rewards of faith are out of this world. God knows the end from the beginning. God's not winging it. Come on. God's not making it up as he goes along. Perhaps in your marriage, the only word God has given you is stay. Perhaps in your finances, all God has given you is trust. In your job, all he's saying is be faithful. Oh God, I want more than that. God's saying, now by faith, would you put that into work? Just because he doesn't give you all the details never means that he doesn't know them. What are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. You need to write this down. He's more interested in your full obedience than your full understanding. Surrender, number one. Number two, faith. Then what? Oh, it gets better. Number three, sacrifice. Some people never get greater. They never see it. They'll never live it. Why? Because they are not willing to leave things behind. They're not willing to live good behind. You know, the greatest enemy to excellence is good. Because if it's not failure, we convince ourselves, why change? Well, my life's good. But your life can be greater. But things are okay. But things can be excellent. 
but I'm kind of just making it. God says you can have more than enough. Can you see how we settle? And so many times we settle for less because we're not willing to sacrifice and trust Him. Whether it's giving up something from our past or relinquishing control of our future, it's going to take sacrifice. Just knowing it won't change it. You've got to do it. God won't burn the plows of your life. You have got to burn them. And please hear me today. I'm not telling you here, if you're not happy in your job and you feel God's got more for you, I'm not telling you tomorrow morning to walk in first thing in the morning and say to your boss, I'm quitting my job. I'm not telling you for one second to walk out on your marriage. I'm not telling you to destroy the things in your life. But what we are telling you is this, to start taking and making the right steps in your employment. Make godly decisions for your marriage. Sacrifice to make it better. Start from the right starting point in your future. To surrender, to have faith, to be willing to sacrifice. Don't allow those plows. Don't allow those tangible physical connections to the life we had before. Jesus placed his mantle upon us to hinder us from the pathway that he has for us. Listen to me. Opportunity can cost. The inventory today of your life needs to be asked. And here's what I've been asking God as I've prepared this message. What is it, God? What are those plows of my life? What are the personal plows? What are the emotional plows? What are plows of perhaps relationship? What are plows in my life that, God, you want me to burn? You may say, well, Philip, that's pretty drastic today. But the risk of launching into a new life of greater things Or the risk is not launching rather into a life of new greater things. The risk is staying in your old life. I know I must finish the message and I'm going to finish it quickly. A rich young ruler came to Jesus in Mark 10 verse 17. And he asked Jesus a question. What must I do to receive eternal life? Jesus says, do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not falsely accuse, honor your mom and dad. The guy's so thrilled. He goes, man, I've done all that. I'm there. I'm there. Jesus looked at him and said, there's one thing that you still lack. One thing. One thing. The rich young ruler says, what is it? And Jesus says, go and take everything that you have. Go and sell it and give it all to the poor. The Bible says the rich young man left Jesus sad that day. As he hung his head, realizing the wealth he had. But he was not willing to sacrifice that. He wasn't willing to pay the price. The cost was too great for him. I want you to understand something. Jesus is not telling him that he had to be broke to live for him. Jesus is not saying, well, you've got to be broke and have nothing in order to live for me. But Jesus was identifying in his life what had become his plow. What was connecting him to his old life that was hindering him 
from breaking free and stepping into his new life. Yes, the cost of following is great. But the cost of not following is greater. Don't stay in the field. Burn that plow. Follow God into greatness. And last but not least, point number four, obedience. Will you be obedient to God today? I know obedience has come up through the whole thought of this message. Will you surrender your life? Will you have faith? Will you be willing to have the sacrifice and the, and the obedience? Can I tell you, Elisha became twice the man Elijah ever was. He had a double portion of God's anointing. He did twice as many miracles and great things. But he didn't know it when the mantle first hit him. And he only began to discover that when he burnt his plan. The greatness of his life really began. Not the moment the mantle, that was just the invitation. The greatness came when he burnt the plow. He severed every tether and every tie. Because all he knew was, this is the starting point for my life. And from that starting point, man did God use him. As he was obedient to follow and became a servant. God became greater and greater in his life. Greater is a journey. That's found in following him. I want you to stand to your feet with me this morning. Some of you may say this is pretty radical today. It's kind of tough stuff. The fact of the matter is this. Some of the plows in your life may not all be bad things. Listen to me today. Elisha's plow wasn't a bad thing. It was providing a future for him and his family. But it was something that was keeping him from the greater that God had for him. Maybe today you've got a dream. Maybe you've got a plan for your life that's not a bad thing. I want to go to school. I want to go to college. I want to have a promotion. I want to have this. And I want that. But you know what? If that's not the best that God has for you, it's a plow. It's a plow that's going to keep you from the greatness that God has for your life. Because it may be good to you, but if it's not God, it's not good. It has to be God. Maybe today the plows in your life are sins. Maybe it's sins of addictions. Maybe it's drugs, alcohol, nicotine, those strongholds that want to come. Maybe your plow is adultery. Maybe your plow is pornography. Maybe your plow is fear. There's the sins that we have. But Hebrews tells us so easily besets us from what? Running the race. Living the life for God. 
You see, those plows of our lives can be emotional things. They can be in relationships. And we're not asking you to set someone on fire. Don't get me wrong. It can be unforgiveness in your life. It can be bitterness. It can be excuses. It can be blame. But a plow is something that is stopping you from the greatness that God has. Come on, it's that thing that is stopping greater. It's the lesser thing that's stopping the greatness of God in your life. I'm telling you today, and I can 100% say this, I have never regretted any plow that I have burned in my life. Were they tough at the time? You better believe it. But I have never regretted it as I've seen God do greater and greater things. And I'm telling you, there's some things in my life that I still have to burn. With the grace of God, and through surrender, through faith, through sacrifice and obedience, I'm going to do them. We're going to give you something today as you leave church. Got a little box of matches for every one of you today. And I want this to be symbolic to your life that as you take these when you leave today, that you would recognize and realize there's some things in my life I need to burn. For some of you, you may need to literally use these matches and perhaps have a bonfire. And we're going to do something. We're going to invite people. We're going to have big bins set up next week. And if there's things and trash and junk and stuff in your life that you say, man, I want to burn and I want to surrender to God. You can do it on your own at your house, but we're inviting people to bring it in. You can bag it up. We don't have to see what it is, but you can throw it in there. And you know what? We'll set fire to those things and we'll burn them. So you may have to literally use these, but I want you to place this somewhere that you're not using it to light your barbecue next week or something else, but you're reminding yourself, what is there that's attaching me to my old life that's stopping me from the greatness that God has? Come on, you don't just need to pray about it. You've got to act upon it. Come on, we've done a lot of praying about it. We've got to start acting upon it. Come on, let's not just keep being inspired. We've got to participate in it. And let me tell you this, and then I'm going to pray for you. God never takes anything from you without giving you something better in its place. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.